Wednesday, the 21st of February. It's the Feast of St. Peter Damien, Doctor of the Church. He is, among other things, patron saint against insomnia. Let's pray a prayer for his intercession in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. St. Peter Damien, you are an insomniac for a long period of time. You understand how difficult it is to function after a sleepless night, how hard it is to be kind, understanding, and loving when you are exhausted. How frustrating it is to be tired and unable to do your best. Please intercede for us before the throne of God and ask that if it be God's will, that we be able to rest peacefully at night and no longer suffer with insomnia. If it is not God's will at this time, we ask to have the grace to use any sleepless hours as a time of prayer, offering that sleeplessness for the souls who most need God's love and mercy. St. Peter Damien, Thank you for your prayers. Amen. I uh, like to pray that on a morning show because some of y'all are waking up and are like, man, is it already time to get up? Or maybe you one of those people who stare at the ceiling until like 3 a.m. and then you finally get to sleep just before your alarm goes off. Well, St. Peter Damien has got your back. You have a heavenly friend. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. You can even see us on video, thanks to Travis. Uh, that video feed is available in our show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. We'll check in with Father Patrick Briscoe to discuss how the Knights of Columbus are rallying prayer support for Ukraine and the conflict there with Russia, that there would be peace and uh, that people would find a safe place to live. Father Rob Jack will join us as well. Also, Gary Zimak. Gary has been helping us give up worry for Lent. And then since we do have a doctor of the church on the calendar today, we'll talk to Dr. Matthew Bunsen about St. Peter Damien. So stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. The U.S. is vetoing a resolution at the United Nations calling for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza. U.S. Ambassador Linda Thomas-Greenfield said the resolution would negatively impact sensitive negotiations to free hostages held by Hamas. The deal being negotiated by the U.S., Israel, Egypt and Qatar also would pause fighting in the Gaza Strip for at least six weeks and allow humanitarian aid to enter the area this coming as the Biden administration is facing increasing pressure from Democrats to rein in Israel's military operation in Gaza as the number of civilian casualties continues to rise. Police in Kansas City are announcing charges in the Super Bowl parade shooting. Brian Shook reports. Jackson County Prosecutor Gene Peters Baker said two adults in the shooting have been charged with murder. Police identified who fired the bullet that killed the one deceased victim, Lisa Lopez Galvin, but both men face the same charges. Both have bonds of $1 million. 22 people were injured in the shooting. In addition, two teens face gun-related charges. I'm Brian Shook. The potential merger of two Ohio dioceses remains a possibility. In a joint statement yesterday, Bishop Bradley of Steubenville and Bishop Earl Fernandez of Columbus noted progress was made at a recent meeting on the proposal 
in which they discussed how a potential merger would affect each of their dioceses. The results will be reported to Ohio's Metropolitan Bishop, Archbishop Dennis Schnur of Cincinnati, and to the Apostolic Nunciature next month. The consideration for a merger has been in the works since 2022. Pope Francis will ultimately need to make a final decision. The bishops asked for the, quote, continued prayers of the clergy and laity of both dioceses for the Holy Spirit's guidance throughout the remainder of this process, end quote. A recent upsurge in violence in Mozambique has been targeting Christian communities and forcing missionaries to flee. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. After a period of relative calm following the deployment of the Mozambique Defense Armed Force and the Southern African Development Community Forces, jihadist insurgents in the Mozambican province of Cabo Delgado have resumed their attacks. As confirmed by local sources to the Catholic charity Aid to the Church in Need, the attacks have also targeted Christian communities, forcing priests, nuns and other church workers to flee to cities already overwhelmed by some one million internally displaced persons. In the latest incidents, the church and offices of Our Lady of Africa in Mazizi Parish in the Catholic Diocese of Pemba were set ablaze following a terrorist attack on February the 12th. Three days earlier, terrorists destroyed houses and churches in several villages. According to local sources, the insurgents for the most part don't discriminate between Muslims and Christians, but there have been attacks on specifically Christian communities, including cases where jihadis separated people by religion and executed Christians. A local priest said that several Catholic missionaries have been displaced by the violence. He explained that church personnel can better protect their community by leaving because people tend to prefer being close to priests and religious to be less exposed to attacks. The Catholic Church has been supporting internally displaced people in Mozambique while also trying to help facilitate a peaceful solution to the conflict. ACN's support has included pastoral assistance and counselling for victims of terrorism, vehicles for missionaries and the construction of community centres. I am Lisa Zengarini. Stanley may be fueling the cup craze, but the company is now facing legal troubles. A new class action lawsuit claims the company did not disclose the use or presence of lead in its products. The suit was filed earlier this month by a Seattle-based law firm. Several complaints are listed in the suit, including breach of contract, express warranties, and more. On Stanley's website, the company writes, it is transparent about its use of lead and describes how its products are still deemed safe. And a dead satellite the size of a city bus is returning to Earth. ERS-2 is one of the European Space Agency's advanced observation satellites from 1995 to 2011, It tracked everything from shrinking polar ice to atmospheric composition. Most of the satellite is set to burn up on reentry this morning. However, there's no clear prediction on where any remaining debris could land. I feel like you've had a lot of space stories in your kickers lately. Yeah. Well, you know, I find these things interesting. All I'm saying is I'm glad that I didn't ride that thing and try to go to Mars in it. I know, right? No. First of all, it's only size the size is... of a bus. That's you know, I spent a lot of times spent a lot of time in my uh, public school days on a bus, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to live in one of those things. No, 
Although, you know, I've known a, a fair amount of bands in my days who use school buses, retired school buses, as tour buses. Well, that's neat. But still, you wouldn't want to live That sounds those. really uncomfortable, actually. Did they, well, you like, modify. refurbish the interior? Oh, yeah. Because you got sitting on those, like, vinyl seats that... That were always no like cut up and had like stuffing sticking out of them. Yeah, and the springs sticking out. Like that and would you, be. You always had the kids like pushing in the tabs to pull down the windows on the side, and the uh-huh. bus driver yelling, "Hey, put those windows back up!" Yep. Yeah. And then, actually, that's not the worst part about riding that bus to school, mm-hmm. and people know what I mean. Like when there's a kid that gets sick on that bus, and they got to pull over the bus. Okay, Matt, it's too early in the morning for and they something like that. sprinkle that stuff on things. People are eating... Bus. Matt, people are eating breakfast. I can smell it to this day. Stop it. That cleaning agent. Matt. Matt. Paul's like, get him out of here. Get him out. You're out. Yep, your microphone is off. I can confirm. I saw his mouth moving on the video feed. Today... Today is Wednesday, February the 21st. It is the Feast of St. Peter Damien, Bishop and Doctor of the Church. Pray for us. More on him with Dr. Matthew Bunsen at the end of this hour. Right now, it's nine past. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Patrick Briscoe, editor of Our Sunday Visitor. Good morning, Father Patrick. Hey, good morning, Anna. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Thanks for joining us. And in anticipation of the second anniversary of the most recent Russian invasion, the Knights of Columbus have started a novena for Ukraine. And I know OSV talked to the young woman who uh, who wrote the reflections for this novena. Tell us about her. Yeah, just full disclosure, I've worked closely with the Knights of Columbus to uh, assist and promote their efforts, um, especially the humanitarian efforts surrounding the war since the very outbreak of the war. So this is an effort I'm I'm privileged to know a lot about, and uh, I've met so many men and women uh, working on this project that I really admire. So this young woman, Uliana, is is one of these young women um, who is just extraordinary. She's a young Ukrainian woman. She's a member of the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church, uh, so an Eastern Church that's in union with Rome. And she's lived in Poland since um, just before World Youth Day. Uh, so she moved to Poland to assist with World Youth Day 2016 in Krakow. And Uliana uh, has continued to live abroad. Um, she moved after uh, after the invasion, uh, the attack of Russia on eastern Ukraine. Uh, and, and so even then, the war had already begun. And I think that's something that a lot of Americans overlook. Yes, we're looking at the two-year anniversary coming up here of the full invasion of Ukraine, but Russia has been threatening Ukraine's sovereignty, its borders, for, for over a decade now um, in very in very serious ways. And the, the beautiful thing about Uliana, whom, whom I got to interview, is that this novena which she has written, which is going on right now for the Knights of Columbus, uh, is based on real people that she herself personally knows and shows the way that all of these lives have been touched by the war. And so what are the various intentions that uh, that the Knights have asked the faithful to pray for each day of this novena? Yeah, it's pretty incredible. It's everything that you would think of, you know, probably if if one, if one were to begin praying, um, all, all these lives that have been touched by, by the war in the ways that, that people would expect. So, so we began praying for widows, 
praying for orphans, praying for parents who have lost children in the war, praying for emergency medical responders, and then coming up, we're going to pray for the souls of all those who have died in the war, for internally displaced persons and refugees, for those in captivity. Right now, there are 25 priests of the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church that whose whereabouts are unknown. We presume they're captured, being tortured by, by Russians. And, uh, we're, and we're praying for all the young people, you know, whose lives are being being shaped by this war in, in ways that, that uh, we're going to have to unpack and address uh, intentionally for, for decades to come. Wow. And so going back to Uliana, Father, um, when you talk to her, I mean, how does someone who has, has witnessed and, and really experienced herself so much suffering over all these years. I mean, you mentioned she she fled, what, like 10, how long ago? Yeah, 2015 now. Wow, yep. almost 10 years ago. Yeah, so Russia, Russia attacked eastern Ukraine in 2014. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and she made the difficult decision to leave then. So almost a decade of, of living as a refugee, a, a decade of, of suffering. How does someone who has endured that much suffering and seen so much more suffering maintain faith in the midst of all of this? Yeah, Anna, that was really a question. That was a question that I urgently wanted to ask Uliana. And she told me that uh, it, there have been times where it was very difficult for her to pray. She spoke of her confidence in the power of the sacraments, her love for the Eucharist and confession especially, and the, the kinds of grace and perseverance she receives from them. But she said it had been difficult to pray for her at times, but when she turned to write this novena, it was like something opened up in her heart, and she said it was like a waterfall. Mm. It was like a waterfall, and she just poured forth everything that she had been trying to say to the Lord um, uh, in in her prayer, um, you know, for some time. It just all came out in the novena. Well, I want to step back from your role as, a, you know, an editor or a reporter or an interviewer and just ask you as a priest, Father, because, you know, Pope Francis last week encouraged us to intensify our prayers for peace during Lent. But I think sometimes it's hard when, you know, say, for instance, you're someone sitting in the United States, um, it's hard to believe that your prayers can make a difference when you look at what is still happening in Ukraine or in the Holy Land or elsewhere, name your, your conflict zone. I mean, why should we bother to pray? Yeah, that, that's right. It is, it is difficult at times to believe that. Um, but we have to remember that Satan, the evil one, wants us to believe that our prayers are empty. That's what he wants us to think. Uh, and he wants, us, he wants us to ignore them and not persevere in them um, or, to, or to pray them half-heartedly. Uh, that, that's the evil one wants nothing more than for us to be separated from God. And we have to remember, too, that there are some things that God has arranged in his providence that can only be brought about because of our prayers. And we know, and we we know, we know that even if we don't see the desired outcome on the timetable that we desire, we know that our prayers are efficacious, and that they're going to do things in the order of eternity. Things that we might not see until we're engaged in in the praise of God for 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 all time, known as heaven. Uh, but 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 we do have a confidence that those prayers have done something. Beautifully put. Well, with that in mind, Father, do you have the novena prayer? Could you could you pray it for us to close us out? Absolutely, today? it would be my privilege. So, the, so again, the novena that was written by Uliana 
um, begins with kind of meditations each day on the on these different aspects, uh, these different ways that people's lives have been touched by the war. But it concludes with a prayer for peace in Ukraine, which is adapted from the Byzantine liturgical tradition. Uh, and uh, the prayer is called a prayer service sung in times of war. Okay, so this is the prayer. Let us pray. O Lord God of powers and God of our salvation, O God who alone works wonders, look down with mercy and compassion on your humble servants, and out of love for mankind, listen and have mercy on us and on the land of Ukraine. Visit your mercies and compassions upon your humble servants, those who protect Ukraine and her much-suffering people, and hear us who fall down before your deep compassion. For you are the health, victory, and salvation of them who put their hope in you. And unto you do we send up glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, now and ever, and unto the ages of ages. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Patrick Briscoe. You can find his piece through our Sunday Visitor, which is linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. We got headlines coming up next. It's 17 past. Support is from MediShare. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for healthcare can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 877-64-BIBLE. That's 877-64-BIBLE. 877-64-BIBLE. Giving up coffee for Lent? Look no further than the Mystic Monks for a great selection of their Mystica tea to get you through the season. And when you shop their site for tea or coffee, after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, check out our online store where you can purchase Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Find our mugs and link to Mystic Monk coffee and tea at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. I'm continually amazed and humbled at the way God can work through me to help so many people. Although I have no idea what the caller's questions will be that day, I trust that the Holy Spirit can use my education and experience to guide, challenge, or comfort those who call. Mast Appeal with Colleen Kelly Mast. Saturday morning, 9 Eastern on EWTN Radio. 19 past. Here's Anna with headlines. The U.S. is vetoing a resolution at the U.N. calling for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza. A recent upsurge in violence in Mozambique has been targeting Christian communities and forcing missionaries to flee. And a Haitian bishop is said to be in stable condition after he was injured in an explosion that hit a home in Port-au-Prince. Yeah, I uh, saw that article and immediately contacted my colleague, Ken Hensley, who is a former Baptist pastor who is now Catholic and works with pastors who are becoming Catholic here at the Mm -hmm. Coming Home Network. 
uh, which is my other thing that I do. And uh, Ken had the opportunity to go speak in Haiti and share his testimony a few oh, years wow. ago and met him. Uh, and uh, so he is uh, – Ken is constantly updating us on horrible things that are happening to Haiti in the church mm-hmm. and uh, Haiti as a nation. Of course, they had the earthquake. They had their president assassinated. Mm-hmm. Uh, their president's this, of course, widow has just been indicted. Just been indicted for yeah. the conspiracy of it. Um, and, and and now this. Uh, but Ken said when he was there, there were thousands upon thousands of people lining up. You know, they wow. had speakers. There were people who were listening to his talk who couldn't even see him. Cool. The church there is hungry. Yeah. People there are hungry for truth. There are brothers and sisters, and they're living in a state of anarchy and chaos. And uh, this is just another blow to the stability of the church down there. Let's pray for our brothers and sisters in Haiti this morning. Amen. It's 21 past. Starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Have you subscribed to get the Sunrise Morning Show show notes? When you subscribe, the show notes arrive in your inbox weekday mornings with the list of featured guests, books, articles, and websites we'll discuss. And then you'll also get the podcast with markers to quickly find and hear an interview again or to see the Sunrise Morning Show on video. So to know when your favorite guests are on, Go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click subscribe. A prayer of penance. Almighty God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, maker of all things, judge of all men, we acknowledge and bewail our manifold sins and wickedness, which we from time to time most grievously have committed by thought, word, and deed against thy divine majesty provoking most justly thy wrath and indignation against us. We do earnestly repent and are heartily sorry for these our misdoings. The remembrance of them is grievous unto us. The burden of them is intolerable. Have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us. Most merciful Father, for thy Son, our Lord Jesus Christ's sake, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may ever hereafter serve and please thee in newness of life to the honor and glory of thy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Dominican Father Henry Stephan. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Rob Jack, host of Driving Home the Faith on Sacred Heart Radio in Cincinnati. You hear that locally if you uh, listen to Sacred Heart Radio, which is, of course, the same station that produces the Sunrise Morning Show. Father Rob Jack, good morning. Morning, Matt. All right, so here's how I'm going to set up today's segment, Father. I've okay. been catching some some driving home the faith, and I noticed, uh, you know, you do you do okay. I, I think you hit the bar, but I feel like you're not as engaged as you ought to be uh, in the world of social media. So I'm going to put a challenge out there: just spend 15 minutes a day checking social media. Do you think you could add that into your life, or is that too much for me to ask of you to to add 15 minutes of social media into your life every day? Well, considering the fact that I already spend that much, it probably 
It probably isn't as long as I'm using it in a positive way. <laughs> I'm not busy lo- watching silly memes of things. Instead, I'm actually reading things on the faith and helping with that. Yeah, well, the, uh, I bring this up because uh, think about how much time we thoughtlessly spend in that world, and you're about to issue a 15-minute prayer challenge, and there are a lot of people who don't think they have time who blow a lot more than 15 minutes a day on what you and I are talking about right now. Well, that's for sure. Uh, I came up with this plan about 30 years ago when I was a hospital chaplain, because one of the goals, we were not going to go anywhere in our spiritual life, or really as human beings, without a daily prayer regimen. And the question is, how do we do that? Because we we always think very big. But I remind people, I said, if you've ever sat behind quiet by yourself for five minutes, that is one heck of a lot of time. Just five minutes of dead air is is life and death in the radio. Especially business. for us radio people, yeah. <laughs> Actually, ten seconds is, but five four minutes seconds to kill you. Yeah. yeah, and so one of the things I tell people is that we can take our whole prayer life and boil it down into three five minute periods, and it's and we can develop a, a good habit or a way of prayer. The first five happen as soon as you get up in the morning. You know, you wake up and you recognize. First, you thank God he's given you another day, because nothing said you had to wake up. Even the alarm didn't say you had to wake up. You had you just woke up as a gift of God. And so I tell people the first five minutes is basically telling God your day. Lord, this is one of the things I have to deal with today. This is what I have with the family or with the kids, or I got a big test coming up. I call it the preemptive strike. You lay the whole day out before the Lord that way, you know, some people say, well, I prayed and I didn't do good on my test. I said, when did you pray? Oh, right before the test. I said, you've got to give God some lead time here, folks. You know, when you get up in the morning, lay your day out before the Lord and say, this is something I'm going to really need help in. And in those, those, those five minutes, you lay your day out to God. And then you get up, you do your things you got to do, and you go out and have it. And then about noontime, you give God another five minutes, which is the progress report, where this is how the day is given. He said, you know, Lord, that person who I was going to afraid make me uh, uh, say some uncharitable things, they're sick. Now, I'm, gl- I'm glad they're, you know, I hope they get well, but I wasn't, I, I didn't do anything wrong or stupid this morning, so thank you for that. But I got a whole afternoon of temptations facing me, and I sure appreciate your help. And that covers the afternoon. And then by the time you get ready to go to bed, you take the last five minutes and you thank God for all the good that you're able to do. You ask His forgiveness for the things you messed up. And then you ask for a good night's sleep that you can get up and do it all over again for the next day. And in those three five-minute periods, you have integrated God into every aspect of your life in such a way that you have now opened yourself up to God's grace to help you in these moments where we might be lacking in charity, these moments where we might find ourselves selfish. In other words, this is a way that I've learned over the years to really help people uh, put God in the center of their life and begin to practice that virtue of, as St. Paul would say, pray without ceasing. You know, Father Rob, Jack, that's a very interesting prayer technique you've uh, invented uh, from scratch, except you didn't invent this from scratch, right? Uh, Ignatius right. of Loyola had something like this going with the daily examine. Benedict uh, of Nursia had this going with the daily prayers of the monks, and before that, the Jews had this going for centuries before Christ. I mean, this is how the people of God have always thought of a way to integrate their faith into their daily routine. 
We have, we call it the sanctification of time. You know, in the Jewish tradition, there are seven times of prayer during the day. In the liturgy hours, there is five. And what it is is basically recognizing that God is a constant part of our life, and that when we are facing issues, we don't face them alone. You know, last Sunday, the readings from Scripture talked about the temptation of Jesus, and the number one goal of the devil is to get us one-on-one, because he knows he can beat us when when we're one-on-one. And if we're doing this day with the Lord and saying, Dear Lord, help me through this day, and thank you for all that you've given, because those are two very important things of prayer, asking God for help and thanking Him for His assistance, that what we're going to find is we're going to build up some spiritual strength, and we're going to start noticing God in the ordinary things and maybe the very simple things of life as much as we do in the big moments. Well, with just a moment left here, Father Rob, there's some Catholics who are like, yes, I want to incorporate five minutes of prayer three times a day. What text should I read from for those prayers, <laughs> right? Because sometimes that's how a lot of Catholics are wired. How would you encourage someone who's maybe uh, very comfortable with written prayers but not as comfortable with sort of just like telling the Lord how their day is going to open up to that style of prayer a little bit here? It's your life. Your life is the text. Your life is that your Lord, you know, you're giving me this new day. Help me get through my job today. Help me guide my kids today. Uh, again, your your life is your text, and so whatever gifts you have, whatever challenges you face every day, those become the words that we don't do anything in our life alone. That if we do it with the Lord, we're going to be able to succeed. Great stuff, Father Rob Jack, and hopefully a good encouragement for people who are a few days into Lent and a little bit of stuck on the on the prayer question and want to do better. So have a wonderful day. We'll catch you on Driving Home the Faith on Sacred Heart Radio this afternoon. Thanks, Matt, a lot. And, uh, of course, you can find Father Rob Jack linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Half past the hour, here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Police in Kansas City are announcing charges in the Super Bowl parade shooting. Jackson County Prosecutor Gene Peters-Baker said... Two adults in the shooting have been charged with murder. Police identified who fired the bullet that killed the one victim who died, Lisa Lopez-Galvan, but both men face the same charges. Both have bonds of a million dollars. 22 people were injured in the shooting. In addition, two teens face gun-related charges. The U.S. is vetoing a resolution at the United Nations calling for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza. Mark Mayfield reports. U.S. Ambassador Linda Thomas-Greenfield said the resolution would negatively impact sensitive negotiations to free hostages held by Hamas. The deal, being negotiated by the U.S., Israel, Egypt, and Qatar, would also pause fighting in the Gaza Strip for at least six weeks and allow humanitarian aid to enter the area. This comes as the Biden administration is facing increasing pressure from Democrats to rein in Israel's military operation in Gaza as the number of civilian casualties continues to rise. I'm Mark Mayfield. A Haitian bishop is said to be in stable condition after being injured in an explosion in Port-au-Prince. The Bishop's Conference of Haiti reports Bishop Pierre-André Dumas was staying at a home that was hit in a Tuesday evening explosion in the Haitian capital. No other details of the incident were released by the conference, but their statement said, quote, We entrust him to your fervent prayers for a speedy recovery. The Dicastery for Evangelization has asserted that kidnappings in Nigeria are out of control. The Fides News Agency reports the Dicastery expressed solidarity with the church in Nigeria. It said 
Nothing can justify the evil of kidnapping, saying, quote, the physical violence and accompanying mental torture that go with kidnapping undermine the pillars of civil and social harmony as they traumatize the individuals involved, their families, and the society in general, end quote. The Vatican's Bambino Jesu Children's Hospital is celebrating a significant anniversary this week. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. In 1869, Duchess and Duke Scipioni founded the Bambino Gesù Pediatric Hospital. Their house in the centre of Rome and its 12 beds became the city's first hospital dedicated to children. Then, on the 20th of February 1924, the hospital was donated to the Holy See, making it the Pope's Hospital, to become a point of reference for the care of all ill children in Italy and around the world. Exactly 100 years have passed since that day. By then, the hospital had already moved to the ancient convent of Sant'Onofrio on the Ianiculum Hill. Having moved in 1887, less than 10 years after it was founded, the hospital still stands there to this day, though it is expected to move again in 2013 to where what was once the Furlanini Hospital stood. Prior to the donation to the Holy See, there were already 33,000 children who had been hospitalized at the Bambino Gesù. The hospital had already faced numerous emergencies, including the aftermath of the Avizzano earthquake in 1915, in which 420 children were taken to the hospital, and the Spanish flu epidemic during the Great War in 1918, during which 300 children were hospitalised. Pope Francis addressed children and staff of the Bambino Gesù Hospital in 2017. Pope Francis, too, is part of that family. He has visited the children in the hospital, who in turn have sent him letters and drawings. The Bambino Gesù Pediatric Hospital is not known as the Pope's Hospital just because it belongs to the Holy See, but because the love and care the Holy Father has for the establishment is clear and true, and the children know it too. I'm Francesca Merlo. Atlanta officials are trying to deal with a homeless issue at the country's busiest airport. Trey Thomas reports. The city council approved a plan to restrict access to Hartsfield-Jackson Atlanta International Airport. But Councilman Byer Namus stresses it doesn't apply to everyone. No, you're not banned. Come on down, pick up grandma, pick, you know, put her back on a flight. Everyone is welcome that is, you know, transacting business at the airport. The move comes after growing complaints of homeless people in the terminals. Rules restricting access from late at night through the early morning hours could be extended 24-7 if the plan moves forward. I'm Trey Thomas. And Hunter Biden is asking a California judge now to dismiss tax-related charges against him. That's the news. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 minutes past the hour. The Sunrise Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. 
mysticmonks.com. If you're switching from coffee to tea for Lent, the Mystic Monks have got you covered with a dozen options from your usual Darjeeling and Earl Grey to more exotic flavors like lemongrass mint and blossoming jasmine. Whether you're buying tea or coffee, you can support the Sunrise Morning Show by earning us a commission on your purchase when you click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. While you're there, browse the Sunrise Morning Show mugs and etched travel mugs in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee and tea at sonrisemorningshow.com. This is Every Day with St. Francis de Sales. Deepen day by day the resolution to serve God devoutly, to attend to His will, and to be entirely His. Never deceive yourself that you have realized purity of heart unless you are entirely, freely, and joyfully subject to God's holy will in all things, even the most repugnant. Therefore, do not consider so much what you do, but the one who commands you to do them. To be a servant of God consists in being charitable to our neighbor, in being determined to follow God's will, and in putting up with our own imperfections. For Sacred Heart Radio, I am Father Chris Armstrong. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, and as we continue through Lent... We love, every year, getting to talk to Gary Simak and doing a series called Give Up Worry for Lent. It's based on his book of the same name, which you can find wherever fine Catholic books are sold, including Gary's site, followingthetruth.com. Gary, good morning. Good morning, Matt. All right, you've been rolling around different parishes uh, with the Give Up Worry for Lent train. How are people doing with this this year so far? Unbelievable, Matt. The response is incredible. I, I still can't believe how the Lord uses me as his instrument to bring, to bring peace to people. We are wrapping up, we wrapped up last night, the first of my Give Up Worry for Lent parish missions. I'm in Oregon, Ohio right now. I know it well. I heard that. I heard, I, I understand you're somewhat legendary around these parts. Actually, well, I don't know if I'm legendary, but those <laughs> on the video screen might wonder, like, what the trophies are behind me. And those are, like, my uh-huh. Bible quizzing trophies from, Whoa. like, when, in, when I was in, like, you know, late middle school and early high school, and uh, I was crushing it on the Nazarene Bible quizzing circuit, and I did some stuff up in Oregon and Perrysburg and Napoleon, Ohio, and Finley. I ran that cool. circuit. I got the trophies cool. behind me. So there you go. Excellent. If you see anybody Excellent. from the Nazarene Bible quiz circuit, you tell them I remember. I remember. I, sh- I sure will, brother. I at least remember how, pr- how to pronounce Oregon. You, you uh, see, it, that's... Exactly, and I was told that before I got here. We both know how to pronounce it now. Well, I'm sure that uh, in the discussions with the good folks of Oregon, Ohio, and the Diocese of Toledo, uh, this verse has played a prominent role, the one from Jeremiah 29.11, one that I bet that some of our listeners have memorized. Exactly. It's such a popular verse, Matt, and this is one that, that I included in the first week of meditations from Give Up, Worry for Lead. It's, it's so popular that we can become desensitized to it. But man, this is a great verse, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. God knows the plans he has for me. I don't necessarily know them. And this is where 
I sometimes get into trouble because I want to know how this or that situation is going to turn out. But it's not my job to know that. It's God's job to know that. What I need to know is that he's got only my best interests at heart. He wants to do what's best for me. He will somehow bring good out of whatever this hopeless situation. And one final point, Matt, when I, when I wrote this, and, and I've, I've said this in several of my books, I would mention that I'm, I'm facing right now a situation or a problem which appears hopeless. When I look back at what I wrote, for the most part, I don't even remember what those problems were, which shows that now as I look back, I realize that the Lord has gotten me through many, many problems which appeared to be hopeless. And I think that's the key for us. You know, we don't know what God knows. He knows what will happen in the future. He knows everything. He knows what's going to happen. I don't. But what I do know is what has happened in the past. I know he's been faithful. He's gotten me through many hopeless predicaments. Since he doesn't change because he's God, why wouldn't he do that in the future? And that inspires me to go into an uncertain future, at least to me, with hope, knowing that God's got this. Yeah, one of the attributes of God that we talk about, you know, the big fancy theological term that God is immutable, right? Yep. What does that mean? Yep. Uh, some people think, like, you can't you can't mute him. Uh, well, actually, it's more uh, related to the word mutation, right? He is he is not going to mutate, <laughs> right? Right, it, right? What it really means at the end of the day is God does not change, right? Exactly. He is infinitely who he is forever in all of his ways. But, you know, when it comes uh, to this question of, you know, you say you forgot the you forgot what it was you were even worried about when you wrote that particular reflection. Uh, right. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, where uh, you know crazy things happen in your life. You're talking to a certain person in your life, and you know you ask how they're doing, and they ask how you're doing, and you don't catch up with them again for like another six eight months or so, and then you check in, and as you're having small talk at the beginning of the salvation uh, the conversation, they'll they'll ask. Uh, you know, hey, so uh, is everything still going all right with your grandpa or whatever? I'm like, oh yeah, that's all better, and I forgot. I forgot that like that was even like a thing. You know, like yeah, it, it, it's amazing. Like these things happen, they work out, and it's either because other problems have popped up or just because we're not good at remembering that we forget like this thing that was the only thing we could think about in that moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, somehow it got resolved, and we didn't even turn around and say thank you. Yeah. Yeah, because we're on to the next problem. You are so right, and oftentimes, as you say, and I totally agree with this, these problems that we have forgotten about, they were they seemed catastrophic to us at the time, and that was all that was on our mind. And, and I've had that happen, where somebody would say, hey, by the way, I'm praying for whatever, you know, they'll mention something, how's that going? And you're right, it's like, oh yeah, I forgot, I forgot. about that. It's all better <laughs> exactly. now. Thanks for asking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. That happens. And, and, and it's a reminder, I think, for us to, to be grateful and to thank the Lord and, and to recognize that the very fact that we are still alive right now, we're still alive, is proof of his providence, that he does take care of us. Because had he not taken care of every one of our needs from the time we were first conceived up until right now, we wouldn't be here. So the very fact we're alive shows that he has taken care of us. And as you said, it's one of my favorite words, God is immutable. He doesn't change. He, if he did it in the past, he's going to do it in the future. And, you know, we need to remind ourselves of that in order to have confidence to face whatever we're facing today. Well, let's key in on those last two words of this verse, right? Uh, those last two 
uh, nouns uh, that uh, are in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Uh, the Lord has plans for us to give us a future and a hope. Um, right. If you were to sort of poll people and ask what they think about their future, uh, people are going to immediately you know, sort of default to the future of this country in a presidential election yeah. year, right? Or right. maybe right. they're keyed in on church news and like, what's the future of the church in the United States or the future of the church in Europe or the future of the church in the global south, uh, you know? What's the future of, you know, the church in my diocese or in my parish? Or what's the future right. of my family, the future of my kids? Uh, I hope it works out, right? But right. when right. God is talking about future and hope here, he's talking about, an eternal reality that is beyond exactly. all that stuff. And I think that's something that we, we often forget about when we think about those words future and hope. Yeah, exactly. And I think sometimes this verse gets used incorrectly to, uh, to, to assume or to, to say that everything, whatever you're facing, it's all going to work out. And you're going to get exactly what you want. It'll turn out the way you want. No, God is concerned with our eternal future. He wants to make sure we get to heaven. And that hope is that it is possible with his grace. That's where the hope comes in. Ultimately, what could matter more than eternity? And that's, that's the key. Every situation that we face, any adversity, is allowed to happen by God in order to help us. He wants to help us get to heaven. So he is concerned about living with us forever in heaven. So ultimately, that is a guarantee that if we cooperate with His grace, it will work out, and we'll get to live with Him forever. And we have hope. We have that virtue of hope, which allows us to believe, not to just cross our fingers, but to believe that it will work out, provided we just cooperate with the grace that God gives us. Yeah, God wants to prosper us and not to harm us, as it says in one of the translations of this verse. Gary Zimak, great conversation. We've got followingthetruth.com linked at Sunrise Morning Show. Dot com. Gary, of course, the author of Give Up, Give Up Worry for Lent, but he's also got a lot of, a lot of other books that address this question of worry and anxiety and uh, the Christian perspective on them. Gary, have a great day. Say hello to our friends in Oregon. Thanks, Matt. God bless you, brother. That's Oregon, Ohio, in case anybody in Oregon just tuned in and thought I was being weird. We got Dr. Matthew Bunsen coming up next. It's a quarter tilt. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save, 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. Four, five.
If you're switching from coffee to tea for Lent, the Mystic Monks have got you covered with a dozen options from your usual Darjeeling and Earl Grey to more exotic flavors like lemongrass mint and blossoming jasmine. Whether you're buying tea or coffee, you can support the Sunrise Morning Show by earning us a commission on your purchase when you click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. While you're there, browse the Sunrise Morning Show mugs and etched travel mugs in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk coffee and tea at sonrisemorningshow.com. As the largest religious media network in the world, EWTN has an important role in educating others about our Catholic faith and spreading the good news of salvation. We invite you to explore our numerous pages of historical faith documents, prayers, teachings, and other current issues in Catholicism today. Visit EWTN.com and click Catholicism. EWTN is the global Catholic network. Hi, this is Janet Williams. Please join us for Women of Grace today at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on EWTN Radio. Wipe that sleep out of your eyes and now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 12 till, here's Anna with headlines. The U.S. is vetoing a resolution at the United Nations that called for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza. A Haitian bishop is said to be in stable condition after being injured by an explosion in Port-au-Prince. And the Dicastery for Evangelization has asserted that kidnappings in Nigeria are out of control. And they are. Pray for goodness. Nigeria, for Haiti, for the Holy Land. As Matt says, my newscasts are often a prayer list for him. Not a bad idea. Dr. Matthew Bunsen joining us again on the Sunrise Morning Show. He is vice president and editorial director of EWTN News, creator of the Doctors of the Church series on EWTN. Good morning, Doc. Good morning. Good to be with you. It is good to have you back. And we are talking about St. Peter Damien today, a monk, a bishop, and reformer, and a doctor of the church, of course. Uh, How did he end up as a, a priest and a monk in the first place? This is uh, one of the great stories of uh, the saints is um, how they always wanted to retreat from the world. Well, Peter Damien managed to succeed in that, and yet, uh, like all the great saints, uh, ultimately didn't succeed in that. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, so uh, born in Ravenna in in Italy, Uh, he was part of a a noble family, but was left an orphan at a very early age, and. the good news was that he had uh, several brothers. The bad news was that uh, he was placed into the care of an older brother who really didn't like him very much. He didn't treat him well. He uh, forced him to work as a swine herd. When you think of uh, images of saints, one of the reasons why the, the pig is often associated with Peter Damien is because, as a child, he was forced to care for pigs. You can imagine what his life was like. This is a, a genius child, however, and he was rescued from uh, a terrible life that was going to be ahead of him by another brother by the name of Damianus, uh, who happened to be the archpriest at Ravenna. And he took pity on this young boy, Peter, and uh, took him away to be educated. And boy, was that a great decision, because yeah. Peter proved to be the genius that uh, everyone eventually understood him to be. He studied theology, he studied law, he studied canon law, he studied philosophy, although he didn't like it very much, not the philosophy part. 
and ultimately uh, studied at Faenza and then the University of Parma and was already renowned uh, by the age of 25 when he realized that the life in the university wasn't really for him. It was too many temptations. And so he gave all of it up and went to the hermitage of Fanta Avalana near Gubbio. And uh, they discovered very quickly that here was a true genius. And even as a novice and then as a young monk, uh, asked him to teach and to emerge very quickly as a leader in this community and then in the wider church. How would you describe his theology, Dr. Bunsen? Well, for him, it's uh, it's always a theology of reform. Uh, it's a theology of making sure that we go back to the discipline, that we go back to the sources. He once said very famously that it is impossible to restore discipline once it has fallen into decay. Mm. But then he said, if through negligence we allow the rules to fall into disuse, future generations will not be able to return to their observance. So he said, let us faithfully transmit to our successors the legacy of our predecessors. So he was always calling for a life of prayer but also a life of consistency, a life of discipline, but a life of being faithful to who we're called to be. And that was one of the reasons why he was such an ardent reformer in an age uh, that desperately needed reform. Yeah, you mentioned that as a boy he was forced to be a swineherd, and one would ma- wonder whether he would have preferred the pigs over the uh <laughs> clergy that he would often encounter in the church in that time. I mean, clearly he wanted to go away to a monastery, and that was not to ultimately be his his fate. So how did all of his theology inform uh, this work to reform the church? Yeah, he did it in, in two ways. The, the first was Against his will, really, uh, he became an advisor. He became part of the great circle of reform that had emerged in the middle of the 11th century. And what I mean by that is that the papacy had um, certainly was valid, that the popes were true, and yet uh, many of them were not particularly good. And he understood, as we have always understood, the true reform in the Church has to start with the papacy. And so he became a great advisor to popes. Now, that led eventually to him being another thing he didn't want to be, which was a bishop and a cardinal, mm-hmm. a very prominent position, the Bishop of Ostia. So he had, as an advisor to the popes on the one hand, but then he was also addressing the, the deeper crises within the Church, and that included a book uh, that's uh, very well-known even today. It's called the Biber Gamorianus, or the Book of Gomorrah, in which he indicted many of the practices of the priests, of the clergy of the time, including simony, in other words, uh, the selling of benefices, but then also uh, the, the purity, the decency, the integrity, the vows, the promises of clergy. Uh, and the Book of Gomorrah is still cited today, for example, in how we confront the, the battle against the clergy sexual abuse crisis. There's nothing new in, in what we're facing today, and Peter Damien wanted to make sure that we were confronting it boldly and directly. And even in his own lifetime, there were those who thought the book was just too radical, that it was too severe, that it was too sharp. And yet uh, his prescriptions, when they were applied, worked. 
in helping clergy to overcome these temptations and to live up to the life of the priesthood. But then at the same time, he wrote a book called Liber Gratissimus, in, in other words, the Book of Graces, in which he recognized that those who might have been ordained as a result of seminary were actually, that these were valid. So it, it opened the door for forgiveness, it opened the door for healing, but it also opened the door for reform of those who were caught up in some of these practices. Wow. I mean, clearly someone who is still relevant to us today in, in many regards. You mentioned the the, the sexual abuse crisis uh, in the church in, in our time. But also, I think uh, his feast day lands quite often in the season of Lent, and he was someone yeah. who was very much focused on the cross and the love of Christ for us through his passion and death and resurrection. What do you think that St. Peter has to say to us today, particularly when it comes to our our own Lenten journey, Dr. Bunsen? Yeah, he has a lot to tell us, because if we consider what he was offering us, it is the cross, but it's a cross also of love. And he wrote in a letter, one of his great letters, that may your mind fear the imminent day of judgment, that you may not have to fear when it is upon you, that as you prudently examine yourself in your own judgment, you may appear before the tribunal of the eternal judge, not to be judged anew, but as one already judged and purified. It's a, a great lesson for us. Amen to that. A great way to close the conversation today. We've been talking about our saint, St. Peter Damien, a doctor of the church with Dr. Matthew Bunsen. Dr. Bunsen, thank you. Joy to be with you. Blessed Lent. You too. Thank you very much. All right. We got another hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up for most of our affiliates here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. It's a new day. Hear his word. Let us pray. The sunrise morning show. A way to start your day. On this Wednesday, the 21st of February, one week into Lent, let's begin in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. A humble, contrite heart, O God, you will not spurn. We have disobeyed as Jonah disobeyed. Grant us the gift of true obedience according to the example of the Blessed Virgin Mary. We have doubted your word. Grant us the gift to hear and heed your voice. We have questioned your providence. Grant us the gift of trust in you. God of mercy, you pardoned the people of Nineveh when they repented at Jonah's preaching. You have given the sign of Jonah in the death and resurrection of your son for the conversion and salvation of the world. Send heralds to proclaim your forgiveness. Call all peoples to conversion. Renew us in holiness, so that we may be prepared to receive at Easter those whom you have called to new life in baptism and the profession of faith through Christ our Lord. Amen. And since it is his feast today, St. Peter Damien, pray for us. Those of you listening last hour got uh, the pretty intense story of St. Peter Damien, uh, as told by Dr. Matthew Bunsen. If you missed that, you can check it out and go back and catch the podcast. SunriseMorningShow.com is a good way to do that. Uh, by the way, uh, SunriseMorningShow.com is a 
production of Sacred Heart Radio, brought to you through the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis has a video feed up and running that you can find in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. Up this hour, uh, we're going to talk uh, actually about a different angle of the story that happened at St. Patrick's in New York with a very controversial funeral. There was a massive reparation that Cardinal Dolan arranged for that. So uh, something that people haven't really talked about in the course of this is what is a massive reparation and how does it work? We're going to get into that with canon lawyer Father Philip Michael Tangora this morning. We'll catch up with Marlon De La Torre from Knowing is Doing about confronting our sins during Lent. We'll get another Desert Father story from Father Augustine Weta, And then Gerald Gainsland from Colby Prison Ministries will talk about their work. Of course, uh, visiting those who are imprisoned is a work of mercy, and we are focusing on the works of mercy, especially this Lent. Right now it is two minutes past. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. The U.S. has vetoed a resolution at the United Nations calling for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza. U.S. Ambassador Linda Thomas-Greenfield said the resolution would negatively impact sensitive negotiations to free hostages being held by Hamas. The deal being negotiated by the U.S., Israel, Egypt, and Qatar would also pause fighting in the Gaza Strip for at least six weeks and allow humanitarian aid to enter the area. This coming as the Biden administration faces increasing pressure from Democrats to rein in Israel's military operation in Gaza as the number of civilian casualties continues to rise. Police in Kansas City are announcing charges in the Super Bowl parade shooting. Brian Shook reports. Jackson County Prosecutor Gene Peters Baker said two adults in the shooting have been charged with murder. Police identified who fired the bullet that killed the one deceased victim, Lisa Lopez Galvin, but both men face the same charges. Both have bonds of $1 million. 22 people were injured in the shooting. In addition, two teens face gun-related charges. I'm Brian Shook. A Los Angeles woman is being detained in Russia after being accused of treason. Russian authorities allege the 33-year-old dual national raised funds in support of Ukraine. The punishment for treason in Russia is up to 20 years in prison. Julian Assange could learn his fate as early as today. The WikiLeaks founder has been imprisoned in the UK and fighting extradition to the United States for more than a decade now. The Australian national faces charges of espionage for publishing classified documents on his website Documents he and his supporters argue people have a right to see. This week, he's launched an appeal in the U.K., hoping for a chance to ask the European Court of Human Rights to block his extradition. If the appeal is denied, he could soon be on a plane bound for the United States. A recent upsurge in violence in Mozambique has been targeting Christian communities and forcing missionaries to flee. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. After a period of relative calm following the deployment of the Mozambique Defence Armed Force and the Southern African Development Community Forces, jihadist insurgents in the Mozambican province of Cabo Delgado have resumed their attacks. 
as confirmed by local sources to the Catholic charity Aid to the Church in Need, the attacks have also targeted Christian communities, forcing priests, nuns and other church workers to flee to cities already overwhelmed by some one million internally displaced persons. In the latest incidents, the church and offices of Our Lady of Africa in Mazizi Parish in the Catholic Diocese of Pemba were set ablaze following a terrorist attack on February the 12th. Three days earlier, terrorists destroyed houses and churches in several villages. According to local sources, the insurgents for the most part don't discriminate between Muslims and Christians, but there have been attacks on specifically Christian communities, including cases where jihadis separated people by religion and executed Christians. A local priest said that several Catholic missionaries have been displaced by the violence. He explained that church personnel can better protect their community by leaving because people tend to prefer being close to priests and religious to be less exposed to attacks. The Catholic Church has been supporting internally displaced people in Mozambique while also trying to help facilitate a peaceful solution to the conflict. ACN's support has included pastoral assistance and counselling for victims of terrorism, vehicles for missionaries and the construction of community centres. I am Lisa Zengarini. The potential merger between two Ohio dioceses remains a possibility. In a joint statement yesterday, Bishop Paul Bradley of Steubenville and Bishop Earl Fernandez of Columbus noted progress was made at a recent meeting on the proposal in which they discussed how a merger would affect each of their dioceses. The results will be reported to Ohio's Metropolitan, Archbishop Dennis Schnur of Cincinnati, and the Apostolic Nunciature next month. And the college football playoff is officially expanding. The CFP Board of Managers unanimously approved a model that will guarantee the five highest-ranked conference champions inclusion in the expanded 12-team field this fall, along with the next seven highest-ranked teams. The college football playoff intentionally will not refer to the group of five in its description of the format because there's a chance that a champion from one of the Power Four conferences finishes ranked below the top champion from the American Athletic Conference, Conference USA, Mountain West, Sunbelt, or Mid-American Conference. Did you get that, Matt? Did that make sense? Um, sort of. I mean, it does seem fairer to move it to 12 instead of 4. Yep. Because some of this stuff, it's it's a lot of eye test stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of eye test stuff and a lot of who will pull in the viewers stuff that, uh, I mean, I'm saying the quiet part out loud here, but I feel like that goes on. Oh, of course. Are you kidding? So hopefully this is a little fair, but hopefully also it doesn't like, I don't know, like grind down some of these athletes with all the extra games. Mm -hmm. You think about these people who are, uh, they got their NIL money and they hope to get NFL money. Uh, But, you know, every game I watch some of these stars at the wow. college level, and I think, please don't get hurt. Well, please actually, don't get hurt. I think what we're going to see is a lot of those stars sitting out. Yeah. They've already been doing it. Yeah, they've been doing it for years. So I, you know, I mean, like, like Marvin Harrison didn't it'll play. It'll be more like the NFL preseason. I mean, maybe if They'll it's take a playoff. Snaps. Maybe That's in a playoff, it. they'd be more willing to do it if they're playing for the national championship. But well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I I guess, as someone I know likes to say, we shall see. We shall see.
Today is Wednesday, February the 21st. It is the feast of St. Peter Damien, a monk, a bishop, a cardinal, a reformer, and doctor of the church. Pray for us. Father Philip Michael Tangora joining us again on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's a pastor, a canon lawyer, and author of Holiness and Living the Sacramental Life. Good morning, Father. Good morning, everybody. So, Father, people have probably heard about the, shall we call it, interesting funeral liturgy that took place at St. Patrick's Cathedral recently for a transgender activist. Um, I have so many questions that I would love to ask, say, the staff as to how something <laughs> like that liturgy was allowed to happen in a place like St. Patrick's, but that's not... Well, there was a lot of deception there. There I, was a lot yeah. of deception. Oh, sure, sure, certainly. But, um, you know, I just, I have questions. I have questions. But yeah. that's not what I want to talk about um, with you, because there has been what's known as a massive reparation celebrated since then. And folks will remember there was a massive reparation not too long ago, um, not too far from St. Patrick's, actually, after a, a, a lewd mi music video was filmed on the altar of a church in the Diocese of Brooklyn. Um, what is a mass of reparation? Okay, so a mass of reparation is exactly what it sounds like. It's there to repair scandal. It's there to repair wounds caused by sin and evil. So uh, when something horrible happens and it need the the faith and the sacraments and the uh, uh, community of the Christian community has been wounded a mass of reparation is uh, an opportunity for the church to bring forth healing with that special mass and its special intentions and prayers. Hmm. So for instance, it doesn't have to be just the, because of some sort of inappropriate action occurring in a church. That has been the last two uh, well-documented mass of reparations, but uh, bishops could have celebrated masses of reparation when um, sex abuse scandals broke in their diocese. Mm -hmm. So that could also be a, an opportunity or, or a usage of the mass for reparation. It's there to repair the communion of the faithful uh, when something grievous has been done. And I want to make a clear distinction. The mass of reparation is not saying that the cathedral was rededicated or anything of that, sure. or that the church lost uh, the, some sort of profane action occurred that would have uh, affected the, sac the sacred nature of the church. Hmm. That did happen at St. Patrick's Cathedral during uh, uh, about a while ago now. Uh, there were two shock jock uh, radio hosts in New York who put a couple up to uh, live broadcasting of uh, uh, a sexual act in St. Patrick's Cathedral. Goodness. And Car then Cardinal Egan actually had to close the cathedral and re-consecrate it, rededicate the whole cathedral. Wow. For sacred use again. Wow. Because it had actually been considered the fact that this was such a horrible sacrilege that the church couldn't be used until it was rededicated. Wow. 
goodness. So that's not what happened at St. Patrick's with the mass uh, reparation. Okay, so how does one determine that a massive reparation would be needed under certain circumstances? Competent authorities would have to uh, discuss the gravity of the actions that occurred to, defe- to, to determine whether or not it was a profanation of the temple hmm. that was of such grave matter needing to be rededicated versus just repaired through a massive reparation. But is it possible that, I mean, obviously Cardinal Dolan of of New York determined that that this massive reparation was, was fitting, was necessary. Is it possible mm-hmm. that, I don't know, let's say Cardinal McElroy, who is, you know, very famously um, not of the same mind as someone like Cardinal Dolan and didn't think that this was a, I'm, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have said Colonel McElroy. I'm sorry. I because who knows what he would have thought about this. Um, but let's say that some other bishop didn't think this was a big deal. Um, can anybody else determine that a massive reparation is needed, or does it have to be the bishop? Well, when something like this occurs, it tends to make national headlines, mm-hmm. and the apostolic nuncio, I'm sure, would. Uh, communicate with that bishop, whomever it is. Well, what if it had happened at like your parish, Father, and nobody else heard about it? It just kind of happened and, you know, nobody knows about it. Uh, The diocesan bishop, yeah, the diocesan bishop, we would hope, would uh, instruct the pastor to celebrate either a massive reparation or if it was as uh, seriously grave as other actions they might need to say, I need to come and, and rededicate it. If that bishop is of a more, I don't know, uh, twisted mentality or something like that, uh, then that would be uh, a very unfortunate circumstance. And one would have to hope that someday in the future, the right things would be done. Mm-hmm. So is there anything that happens in a massive reparation that that we normal Catholics would consider to be like out of the ordinary from a, a normal mass? Not, 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 not necessarily. Not necessarily. Uh, I mean, um, the, again, uh, the priest might uh, go up and down the aisles with the incense or sprinkling holy water or something like that. Mm-hmm. But they, at the same time, he has to be careful to not make it look like, like he's actually re-consecrating or rededicating the church. And so what is the effect of a massive reparation? What do we believe about that? Well, that it, it repairs the wounds of sin and evil. Hmm. It repairs the scandal. It, it also makes very clear that, you know, this was inappropriate and that this that there needed to be something to fix this. Sure. We've been talking to Father Philip Michael Tangora. You can find his book, Holiness and Living the Sacramental Life, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father, thank you. God bless everybody, and let's go Rangers. (laughs) Let's go Rangers. Amen to that. (laughs) All right, it's 17 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective. 
while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com and click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. One time somebody said to me, why don't you air these people? And I said, no, because I don't think they're Catholic. He says, by what right do you have to say that? I said, I own the network. (laughs) Mother Angelica Live Classics. Every morning, 2 Eastern on EWTN Radio. 19 past. Here's Anna with headlines. The U.S. is vetoing a resolution at the United Nations that calls for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza, citing that the resolution would negatively impact sensitive negotiations that are ongoing. A recent upsurge of violence in Mozambique has been targeting Christian communities and forcing missionaries to flee. And a Haitian bishop is said to be in stable condition after being injured in an explosion in Port-au-Prince. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. You know, Anna Mitchell, in that opening prayer uh, at the top of the hour, I took it from the Magnificat. uh, Mm -hmm. And it talked about how uh, we can prepare to receive at Easter those whom you have called to new life in baptism and the profession of faith and you know i've been thinking a lot about this because we're walking with a lot of people who are on their preparation for baptism sure. with the coming home network and uh, just a reminder that like baptism is it leaves an indelible mark it's one of those sacraments that leaves a mark on the soul forever so uh i always pray also for those people who have received baptism and confirmation even perhaps but aren't part of the church at the life of the church right now uh, because that indelible mark is still there. Still they there. are still Catholic, even if they're not acting like a Catholic, even if they're rejecting Catholicism. So I pray, and I hope you pray, that that grace will reactivate on Amen. them. It's time to get the Sunrise Morning Show show notes. When you subscribe, the show notes arrive in your inbox weekday mornings with the list of featured guests, books, articles, and websites we'll discuss. And then you'll also get the podcast with markers to quickly find and hear an interview again or to see the Sunrise Morning Show on video. So to know when your favorite guests are on, go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click subscribe. Business owners are 
starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. To the most precious blood of Jesus Christ, Almighty and Eternal Father, the magnitude of your love for us is reflected fully in the gift of your only begotten Son to humanity. He is not only equal to you, but one with you. We are indebted to you, and it stares us in the face. Obviously, we cannot pay you commensurately, but we are asking for your grace while demonstrating our willingness to love you in this adoration. We appreciate your benevolence and solicit your continued loving kindness in helping us to put forth a more satisfying gesture of love and gratefulness through a change of our lives for the better. May the holy Archangel Michael and your hosts of angels and saints join us and lead us closer to you through this adoration. We make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. It is always great to catch up with Marlon De La Torre from Knowing is Doing. And you can find him in the Diocese of Columbus. And you can find his website linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Marlon, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Go Bucks. All right, so we are in the season of Lent, and Lent is a time for prayer and fasting and almsgiving, but they're not just prayer and fasting, almsgiving, like off mm-hmm. to the side, as we've been you're talking about quite a bit on the show. These are meant mm-hmm. to help us confront uh, not just the things that we're attached to, but our actual mm-hmm. sins. Like, how important yeah. is it for us to remember that these are supposed to be helping us not just purify, but also repent? I think there, there's a, we all want clarity, I think, hopefully, in our walk with our Lord. And so when we give something up, that that's probably the first phase or stage. We recognize, all right, maybe if I give this something, give up something for Lent, whether it be a food or activity or some type of advice that you know needs to be redirected, uh, that's a great first step. But then I think there's, there's more to it than that by looking at the origin of why you do something you want to give up. Uh, what's, the, what's the cause of that sin or that behavior, the action? that needs to be addressed. And I think Lent obviously uh, puts that into focus. It puts it into, into a grander scheme of our relationship with our Lord and how we're to, to, to look at that action or the behavior, hopefully address it and recognize it, that, you know what, I, 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 this needs to be addressed and there, there's a focus here and I got to find out why I behave this way and, and what I need to do to remove myself from it and walk away from this sinful habit. So Lent really is is an opportunity to, to dwell and focus on, on the origins of, of our behaviors or why we commit certain sins or vices and how to walk away from them and redirect them towards the grace of our Lord. Yeah, I think that uh, we fall into a couple of different camps on the question of sin. One, sure. we are the, either treat it like, ah, it's not a big deal, I messed up. Yep. We move on, we we uh, we we do our life, and uh, and we just kind of push that that sin off to the side and and, and just keep on living because I'm basically a good person. Uh, but the other way to go with it is to just completely obsess over what a horrible human being we are, right? Because yeah. <laughs> the, the devil does a bait and switch on us. He tells us that it's not a big deal. 
until we commit the sin. And then he tells us, you're a horrible person and God could never love you after what you've done, right? Mm Because it's a trap. It's a loop. And we got to get out of that. Absolutely, because in both situations, we're looking at the dignity of the human person. So on one end, um, do you value yourself enough to try to change? If you think you're all right, all right, fine. But you're still uh, really not addressing your, your own dignity, creating the image like to the God. And on the flip side, when you when you see the devil try to work you over, so to speak, and make you think that you're just worthless, and again, it attacks your dignity. And I think that both are, are very important to address because ultimately, you and I, every all of our listeners have this beautiful gift of grace, this gift of identity that God gave us. And he wants us to continue to strengthen that identity because the, the aim is heaven. I think the, the aim is really our progression towards this life with our Lord and the well, the grace that awaits us as we prepare for him. And, and there, there's a distinction there, whether you you downplay your role as, as a child of God or whether you're, you're fretting over a, a simple little thing that causes you grief. Both really are to be redirected towards this this aim. And if sanctification is is the name of the game in Lent and our, pray, our prayer and our purpose in prayer is to really seek him and know him, then that's our first step to address in a calm, loving manner, prayerfully, all right, Lord, what do I need and what do you want of me and how can I change to love you more? Yeah, and remember that this whole Lent is actually, we're counting backwards from an event, right? We're counting backwards from the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And I want to just read something and get your take on it because in the Catechism Mm. of the Catholic Church, and this is uh, in paragraphs, it starts around 1849, but it's under a a section called The Definition of Sin, and it says this about the Passion of Christ, and I've just always found this so powerful. Uh, It says, it's precisely in the Passion, when the mercy of Christ is about to vanquish it, that sin most clearly manifests its violence and its many forms. Mm. Unbelief, murderous hatred, shunning and mockery by the leaders and the people, Pilate's cowardice, the cruelty of the soldiers, Judas's betrayal so bitter to Jesus, Peter's denial, the flight of the disciples. However, at the very hour of darkness, the hour of the prince of this world, the sacrifice of Christ secretly becomes the source from which the forgiveness of our sins will pour forth inexhaustibly. So sin's basically biggest heyday is, it's also kind of dying breath, <laughs> you know, Correct. Christ defeats it when it is at its fullest display. Correct, because what you see is the panorama of everything, all the calamities of man uh, instituted by the devil himself and allowed to. And you see that the, this is your, your final resting place or your final uh, perverted kingdom that will be destroyed by the king himself. And, and, and it really, when you look at the preface of, of how the catechism defines sin as an offense and then what the passion does, well, the passion takes ownership. The passion is finally revealed, uh, hopefully in man's eyes, that Regardless of the calamity that you're involved in of the sin, his death and resurrection will, will destroy all those things, and that there's nothing else that will be left standing other than the king himself. That That's the grace and the beauty that awaits us in Easter, is the fact that his resurrection absolutely vanquishes all that, and even more. And so what awaits is just a, a perfect symphony of grace, of music, of love, uh, that is him, that is Jesus Christ, Savior, Lord, and King. So, I mean, that's, that's just a very powerful an article in the catechism yeah well it's one of many and you've got actually a whole bunch of uh references from the catechism and or from the late 300s through about the 400s those paragraphs yep. are really heavily referenced in your article uh, which is called do not ignore the opportunity to confront your sins 
during Lent. Marlon De La Torre, if people want to find your work, how do they do so? They can go and look it up at knowingisdoing.org or the Catholic Diocese of Columbus. Sounds great. Have a, have a great day, Marlon. We'll talk to you soon. You too, Matt. God bless. Go Bucks. Yeah, if you don't have one of these, get you one of these. For those of you who aren't watching the video stream, it's a catechism of the Catholic Church. Get one. Get a highlighter out. Get a pen. Write in it. Circle stuff. Make notes. It is a treasure. The church has thought of everything. It is half past the hour. Here's Anna with news. Good morning. Police in Kansas City are announcing charges in the Super Bowl parade shooting. Jackson County Prosecutor Gene Peters-Baker said two adults in the shooting have been charged with murder. Police have identified who fired the bullet that killed the one the one victim who died, Lisa Lopez-Galvin, but both men face the same charges. Both have bonds of a million dollars. 22 people were injured in the shooting. In addition, two teens face gun-related charges. The U.S. is vetoing a resolution at the United Nations that calls for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza. Mark Mayfield reports. U.S. Ambassador Linda Thomas-Greenfield said the resolution would negatively impact sensitive negotiations to free hostages held by Hamas. The deal, being negotiated by the U.S., Israel, Egypt, and Qatar, would also pause fighting in the Gaza Strip for at least six weeks and allow humanitarian aid to enter the area. This comes as the Biden administration is facing increasing pressure from Democrats to rein in Israel's military operation in Gaza as the number of civilian casualties continues to rise. I'm Mark Mayfield. A Haitian bishop is said to be in stable condition after being injured in an explosion in Port-au-Prince. The Bishop's Conference of Haiti reports that Bishop Pierre-André Dumas was staying at a home that was hit in a Tuesday evening explosion. No other details of the incident have been released, but their statement said, quote, We entrust him to your fervent prayers for a speedy recovery. The Dicastery for Evangelization has asserted that kidnappings in Nigeria are out of control. The Fides News Agency reports the Dicastery expressed solidarity with the church in Nigeria. It said nothing can justify the evil of kidnapping, saying, quote, the physical violence and accompanying mental torture that go with kidnapping undermine the pillars of civil and social harmony as they traumatize the individuals involved, their families and the society in general. The Vatican's Bambino Gesù Children's Hospital is celebrating a significant anniversary this week. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. In 1869, Duchess and Duke Scipioni founded the Bambino Gesù Pediatric Hospital. Their house in the center of Rome and its 12 beds became the city's first hospital dedicated to children. Then, on the 20th of February 1924, the hospital was donated to the Holy See, making it the Pope's Hospital, to become a point of reference for the care of all ill children in Italy and around the world. Exactly 100 years have passed since that day. By then, the hospital had already moved to the ancient convent of Sant'Onofrio on the Ianiculum Hill. Having moved in 1887, less than 10 years after it was founded, the hospital still stands there to this day, though it is expected to move again in 2013 to where what was once the Furlanini Hospital stood. Prior to the donation to the Holy See, there were already 33,000 children who had been hospitalized at the Bambino Gesù. The hospital had already faced numerous emergencies, including the aftermath of the Avizzano earthquake in 1915, in which 420 children were taken to the hospital, and the Spanish flu epidemic during the Great War in 1918, during which 300 children were hospitalized. 
Pope Francis addressed children and staff of the Bambino Gesù Hospital in 2017. Pope Francis, too, is part of that family. He has visited the children in the hospital, who in turn have sent him letters and drawings. The Bambino Gesù Pediatric Hospital is not known as the Pope's Hospital just because it belongs to the Holy See, but because the love and care the Holy Father has for the establishment is clear and true, and the children know it too. I'm Francesca Merlo. Atlanta officials are apparently trying to deal with a homeless issue at the country's busiest airport. Trey Thomas reports. The city council approved a plan to restrict access to Hartsfield-Jackson Atlanta International Airport. But Councilman Byron Amos stresses it doesn't apply to everyone. No, you're not banned. Come on down, pick up grandma, pick her, you know, put her back on a flight. Everyone is welcome that is, you know, transacting business at the airport. The move comes after growing complaints of homeless people in the terminals. Rules restricting access from late at night through the early morning hours could be extended 24-7 if the plan moves forward. I'm Trey Thomas. Pope Francis has sent his condolences to the people of Florence after a collapse at a construction site that killed four workers and left several others injured. A telegram from the Vatican Secretary of State expressed the Holy Father's sorrow and his call for better workplace safety and a greater commitment from those responsible for protecting workers. It's 35. During this season of Lent, may we suggest giving up the coffee shop and making your coffee at home? You could practice this little penance while giving a few alms by purchasing Mystic Monk Coffee. You'll support both the monks and the show because we earn a commission when you go to them through our link at sunrisemorningshow.com. Also at our site, get yourself a Sunrise Morning Show mug, which you can find in our online store. Grab a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. I am Father Timothy Shear, and these are Biblical Impressions. Amos is probably the best known of the minor prophets. There are 12 of them. They have this title, Minor Prophets, because their oracles were originally preserved on one single scroll. In the time of Amos, God's people were divided north and south. The religious center of Judah, the southern kingdom, remained Jerusalem. But the kings in the north set up rival sanctuaries to keep their people from worshiping God in the Jerusalem temple. One such sanctuary was in Bethel. In chapter 7 of his book, Amos is in Bethel, and there he has a celebrated exchange between Amos and one of these northern priests, whose name was Amaziah. This Amaziah thought Amos was just one more clever individual earning a living by saying what the royal house of the north wanted him to say. Amos makes the surprising statement that he never was a prophet. What he means is that he never was a prophet as Amaziah thinks of a prophet. If you have time, look up that wonderful passage between Amos and Amaziah. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Timothy Shear. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. It's always great to catch up with you and help you start the day a better way, especially now that we're a solid weekend of Lent. I hope that everyone is on track with some of their goals. Some of you have gotten off track a little bit, but hopefully every day is a new opportunity. 
I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Augustine Weta, author of Pray, Think, Act, Make Better Decisions with the Desert Fathers. Father Augustine, welcome back. Good morning, and I, let me assure you I am completely off track on my Lenten observations. <laughs> I, I, I'm, pretty, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the whole purpose of Lent is to show me what a lousy Christian I am. That's how I feel every year. I feel like uh, Lent is just a reminder of how uh, far I have to go on things, uh, yeah. which is interesting because as I'm looking at this uh, next section of your book where we're talking about resolve, uh, it seems like the story involving Father Anthony and an old man uh, feels a little bit like my Lent so far. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's actually not my favorite story, <laughs> but I think it's the most important one. Uh, okay. Someone asked Abbot Antony, what should I do in order to please God? The old man replied, pay attention to what I tell you. Wherever you may be, always have God before your eyes. Whatever you do, do it according to the testimony of the Holy Scriptures. And in whatever place you live, do not easily leave it. Keep these precepts and you will be saved. Yeah. So essentially, I, I, just overhaul your entire life. It's very simple. Yeah. Well, actually, no. It's it's not overhaul. It's stay where you are. Yeah. Do what you're already doing. Overhaul your better. expectations. Yes. Yes. Exactly. I mean, the thing is, like, I, I tend to skip around in my prayers the way that I watch television. That you know, from channel to channel, watching four or five different shows at once. And uh, this is this may be an entertaining way to watch television, but it's not a great it's not a great way to pray. Um, and I think we live in an age that sucks our uh, capacity for concentration right out of our heads. Uh, if you I mean, if you had told me thirty years ago that I'd be able to go anywhere in the world and have instant access to all the information in the world, I wouldn't have believed you. Um, but here it is, and it comes. But and it comes at a cost, right? Of our of our attention span. In fact, I have two rules that I'm constantly breaking. Uh, I'm sorry to say, it's a great scandal that I have a cell phone. Uh, I'm talking to you on it now, uh, but I try not to use it if I'm standing up, and if I have to look something up, I have to wait thirty seconds to do it. Oh wow. Um, yeah, and they're not big rules, but they keep me aware of when I'm not paying attention to my life or when I'm distracted from the current conversation. I had a roommate in college who used to call his phone his wonder kill machine mm. because whatever he was wondering about, it would just kill that wonder. The thing yeah. is, like, it's so easy to, to start in on something and then think, well, I could be doing it differently or to make a decision and then second guess yourself. Um, and God knows you all make mistakes, but I, I read this great article in of all things, the New York times, which even a blind hog finds an acorn every now and then. Right. Um, but by this atheist, a uh, computer program named of all things, the bottom, this is the last name. You got to, Give him credit for living with that, uh, but he he, he 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 his job is to get computers to make decisions, which is apparently very difficult. 
because a, a, a computer will just naturally compile information forever. Um, but he got to thinking about his own life and his own search for a mate and realized that the odds of finding a perfect match were zero <laughs> or, or even less than zero, if that can be imagined. And yet he looked, he said, I looked around and I said, but there are all these happily married people around. How did this happen? And he decided that in the end, it wasn't like whether or not you, the, the, the key to happiness was not whether you made the right decision, but whether you made the best of the, all the wrong decisions you've made. Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, we are not computers, uh, right? When we talk no. about compatibility, I can't put a cartridge from a Sega Genesis into a Super Nintendo and expect it to work no matter, you know, <laughs> what I do, right? This is, uh, the computers and compatibility are a different kind of question. But you mentioned that idea uh, yeah. of, of uh, the the concept of, you know, switching around and watching four different shows at once may be an entertaining way to t- watch television. It's actually not an entertaining way to watch television, right? Uh, and yeah. it has sort of trained yeah, it, right. trained us to to be dissatisfied constantly. Uh, I saw a great graphic. Uh, Leah Labresco Sargent had put it up on Twitter. Uh, hey. and I, I'm not who, sure who she got it from, but it talked about how slow traditional culture thinks of things, how fast modern culture thinks of things, and how a dopamine-driven culture thinks of things. Oh. I'll just use one example of this. In slow traditional culture, you might play a sport, right? In fast right. modern culture, you might watch a sport. In dopamine culture, you're gambling on sports, <laughs> right? And you're oh, not just gambling wow. on a game, you're gambling on every single stat of every single player. And I think that uh, that's what, what I've seen that do just in the sports world alone is that culture causes the, that fantasy, you know, sports prop bet culture you might have grown up god bless you a st louis cardinals fan but if you have fantasy things (laughs) and prop bets going you would it could even make you root against your own team so that you get one stat right again yeah that's that desire to flip from thing to thing to thing until you get the dopamine hits it it can it can affect prayer i i know it from personal experience oh sure which is why I tell my students that if they, if nothing else, spend five minutes with your phone off, not listening to anything. Like if you have to, I have a, I have a student actually who shuts himself in his closet for five minutes a day because if he's anywhere else, he'll start playing with things. Um, in fact, I, I read an article the other day that said that newspapers now, most of them are online. And they don't encourage their writers to write conclusions because they don't expect anyone to get to the end of an article. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> Which is kind of frightening. Yeah. That is very frightening. Well, here's what I want you to tell that student uh, who locks himself in a closet. And he's yeah. being very entirely biblical, right? Uh, because yeah. uh, Jesus said, and we heard it on Ash Wednesday, when you pray— you know, go to go into your inner room, right? Go into your closet. <laughs> yeah. So Didn't get any inner than that. <laughs> just tell him he's doing what the Lord said to do. But uh, Father, these are always yeah. great conversations. If our listeners want to get a copy of your book, Pray, Think, Act, uh, how can they do so? Uh, well, it's everywhere. It's on Amazon. But if you want to give the money straight to Ignatius Press, you can get on their website and look me up. Father Augustine Weta. You can find him through sunrisemorningshow.com as well. Thank you for another great conversation. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. God bless you.
All right, we got headlines coming up next. It's a quarter till. Support is from MediShare. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for healthcare can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 877-64-BIBLE. That's 877-64-BIBLE. 877-64-BIBLE. Did you give up coffee or caffeine for Lent? Be sure to check out the tea and decaf offerings from the Mystic Monks of Wyoming. Find a link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. When you make a purchase after clicking our link, we earn a commission to help support the show. The monks also have their seasonal favorite Pasca Java available for you to buy now in anticipation of your Easter Sunday feast. And why not add a Sunrise Morning Show mug to include in the Easter basket? Find those mugs and a Mystic Monk Coffee link at sonrisemorningshow.com. EWTN Radio is seeking a dynamic radio producer to join the EWTN Radio team in Irondale, Alabama. The right candidate will be a passionate, multi-skilled, talented professional who can manage and direct all aspects of producing world-class radio broadcasts and play an integral part in Mother Angelica's mission. For all the details about this exciting opportunity, visit EWTN.com and click on Employment at the bottom of the page. Hi, this is Janet Williams. Please join us for Women of Grace today at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on EWTN Radio. Wipe that sleep out of your eyes and now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 13 till EWTN offers the holy sacrifice of the mass every morning immediately following the Sunrise Morning Show. We're kind of the warm-up act for Father Joseph, Mary, and company. So if you would like to tune in to the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, 8 a.m. Eastern Time every day, EWTN can send you a link to remind you. Visit EWTN.com and click subscribe. It's 12 till. Happy to welcome to the Sunrise Morning Show, Gerald Ganslin. He is CEO and president of Colby Prison Ministries. Gerald, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Good morning. It is good to have you. Can you first of all just give us uh, a sense of the mission of Colby Prison Ministries? I guess, I mean, the name kind of indicates it, but how do you go about uh, doing prison ministry? Yeah, that's a great question. The... uh, you know, we all started humbly, and, and, you know, we just want to serve God. So, you know, that's the beginning of it. But a group of men and, and volunteers came together <clears throat> that had been doing retreats in the in the free world, and and going into the prisons, there was saw, we saw such a great need for bringing the fullness of our Catholic faith into the prisons uh, because we're so misunderstood uh, in, in most people's uh training or their education about religions, uh, the Catholic faith is very misunderstood. 
Absolutely. So that's what, that's what drives us to actually go and, and to, to teach about our faith and teach about the truth and the fullness. And, and we, can, we do this through uh, three-day retreats. So our ministry is inside the prison. There are a lot of ministries that work outside the prisons, but our focus is inside the prisons with the men and women. Well, take us through what one of these three-day retreats uh, looks like. What is, what is sort of, I guess you could say, the schedule for those three days? Well, we typically go in very early in the morning, and we are typically in the, the prisons for at least 10 or 12 hours each day for wow. three days. And so we bring the sacraments so they can experience all of that, and they can experience reconciliation, and, and we have... Uh, while it's a lay ministry, we have priests and deacons that help us a lot, and uh, we're very grateful for that. <clears throat> but with that, they can uh, teach about the, the sacraments and teach the fullness of the faith that we believe in. And and through the retreats, they expose and give time to answer the questions. There are some that give testimonies, and so they talk about how they change their faith, and, and we get into the mechanics of that and by being an example for each other. Uh, we have different skits and different things we do during the retreats that help them to understand, and they get involved in it, and, and that's how it begins. And all of these retreats are then followed by uh, RCI classes and or Bible study and things like the Ascension Press uh, Bible Timeline. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know that you have partnered with Ascension Press and they have donated thousands of dollars worth of, of Bible studies like the Bible Timeline and the Great Adventure Bible Study uh, to to help aid you in in Colby Prison Ministries. And you mentioned that there's a lot of misunderstanding about Catholicism. And one of those misunderstandings is that, you know, this or that Catholic belief isn't biblical. You know, the, the, the sola scriptura kind of uh, aspersions that, that can be cast at the Catholic Church. But I think, Gerald, that that hits home the importance of needing a Catholic Bible study to be able to read scripture through the lens of the church. I mean, there are all kinds of great Bible studies out there, but Catholic ones are so important, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. And th this gift that we received from Ascension Press with the, the Bible timeline was just wonderful. Yeah, I've, I've actually had the experience of, of leading a couple of these different classes with the Bible timeline. And I'll tell you, there was one of the men that was in a uh, we had 58 men in one of the classes, and wow. he told me that when he first moved into this building that he was in where we were having the class, he said that he was an absolute atheist, had no, uh, no desire at all to learn anything about God. And by the 10th or 11th lesson, he, t he was asking me about RCIA classes, and he said everything had changed for him, and he's like... <laughs> He's like a new man. So, you know, it, it ha absolutely has a great impact. Absolutely. Um, what a lesson for us that that it's, we have our view of, you know, hardened criminals or, you know, whatever, that they're in there, they deserve to be in there, and maybe they do deserve to be incarcerated for, for whatever crime they've committed and they're serving that time. 
but that makes them no less loved by God. Amen to that. And, and you know, that just puts a huge smile on my face because, you know, it, that, that really is what it's about. You know, we recognize that they are human beings like we are. We've made mistakes. A lot of us, you know, we would actually be in prison if we've been caught at doing what we were doing or something, you know, in life. But the, they, they need a chance. And, and they need somebody to love them. God loves them. He, he will never stop loving them and offering them, you know, the same kind of hope that we have uh, for salvation and the, and the like. So that's what we need to do as, as volunteers and as Catholics is to go into the prisons and just expose them to the beauty of our faith. Yeah. If they aren't exposed to the beauty of the faith, how are they ever going to know the beauty of the faith to then embrace it one day. Uh, Such important work prison ministry is, and uh, we're so grateful for the work that you do through Colby Prison Ministries. If listeners want to support these efforts, uh, you know, through the Bible studies and and the retreats that you do, how can they, uh, first of all, get more information about Colby Colby Prison Ministries, and uh, how can they support this effort? Well, thank you so much for that. Uh, but we are, you can find out a whole lot about us on our website. Our website is Colby Prison Ministries, no spaces, dot org. And so if you go into Colby Prison Ministries dot org on the internet, you can find us. And the places where we need help is we need volunteers. Uh, we need volunteers. We're, we're currently operating in the states of Texas, Louisiana, Florida, Oklahoma, and we have our first retreats and things planned for Kansas. Nice. So in these places, we need volunteers because, like I said, the, the Bible timeline and all of the courses, the retreats and everything we do, they are brought by lay volunteers. And so that's a, a primary need. But we also need prayers. You know, you can, we can't ever underestimate the power of prayer. Yeah. And and prayer is what and brings this all together for us. And then always, when we do these retreats, they're expensive to do because we actually provide meals and everything for as many as 150 people on each of these retreats. Wow. And so the money is, you know, we... We spend money to do this, and we buy hundreds and hundreds of Bibles and catechisms, and they're really expensive for us to, to buy. So all of those things are, are very helpful for us. Thank you so much, Gerald Ganslin. And you can find Colby Prison Ministries linked at sunrisemorningshow.com to check out the good work that they do. That'll do it for this Wednesday national edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. If you'd like to listen to our next hour, you're not a local listener here in Cincinnati or Dayton, you can download the Sunrise Morning Show app through sonrisemorningshow.com. For all the rest of you listening on EWTN Radio, we'll talk to you tomorrow. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.